The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. Everybody. This is Robin and Nicole. Another edition of Horror Pop After Midnight. And our special guest is he's the star of Monster Squad and the director of Wolfman Got Nards, Andre Gower. How's it going, Andre? Uh, it's going pretty good. Uh, thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for coming on. We're really excited for this episode. Oh, fantastic. That's always, that's always good to hear, unless people aren't bored. Yeah. <laughs> what you're gonna what you're gonna bore my fans? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, um, you're the director of Wolfman Got Nards, which is about the relationship and dedication of the audience that are definitely in love with the Monster Squad. Yeah, it's um, you know it's it was a project that I envisioned a couple of years ago, and it was really sort of you know, inspired and motivated by, you know, meeting the fans literally face-to-face and on social media over the years. But when you're interfacing with a fan, whether it's at an, uh, at an appearance or a special screening or a convention, and hearing these amazing stories of why this movie, being the Monster Squad, connected and impacted with these kids whenever they saw it and wherever they saw it, whether they saw it on, you know, the, on the one weekend that it was in the theaters or, you know, on HBO the next summer or at their local video store. And then they, this movie found its legs in the neighborhood and in the cul-de-sacs and on the playgrounds. And they taped it off HBO and they, you know, rented the tape every weekend from the local video store. And it just found a home in the, in, in the minds and in the hearts and in the guts of these kids. And they kept it alive for 20 years, and we didn't know that kind of legion was out there until we had, you know, a cast reunion screening at the Alamo Draft House in 2006 in Austin, Texas, and then it just exploded. Yeah. And then we find ourselves, head, head, you know, headlining conventions and meeting these fans, mm-hmm. and I realized over a period of time that the, the fan connection and that dynamic phenomenon of what this movie means to them was different and was something special, and that's what we wanted to, you know, look into and investigate a little bit with the documentary. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I was talking to my husband last night about it, and and I told Robin about it also that he said something that I was like, you know, you're you're right. I, I've never heard it that way. And he said, you know, Nicole, um, this that movie. It changed the way that we played as kids. You know, it brought the tree. We wanted to make the tree houses and, and we wanted to have the clubs. And, you know, that's where that's where that all came from. And that's, again, just another example of an amazing story of where somebody like, your, you know, ex- your husband explains how it, how it, how it made an impact. Absolutely. And, you know, obviously we all grow up, we love movies, we have our favorites, we have ones that we, we, we really cherish. Um, but there's very few that actually 
mold you or change you or connect with you with a connection that is so, you know, visceral or, you know, even spiritual that uh, it, it never it never disconnects. And that's what's interesting about these fans and the Monster Squad. And I, I've seen fans of other movies. I'm fans of a ton of movies. I'm, you know, I'd stand in line to go meet, you know, meet people of my favorite movies. I absolutely would. And, but that connection... You know, it, it's it's very few and far between, and I think Monster Squad fans are part of a small club, and they know it, and they gravitate towards each other, and they just try to grow their ranks and protect the thing that they love the most, which happens to be um, this movie and things like it. Yeah, it's definitely something. Uh, it's it's one of the movies you know that I enjoy having having kids raging from. You know, because I'm old. 21 all the way down to 12 it's it's one of those movies that we pass along and we you know we watch on the projector with them and they're like you know this you watched this when you were younger yeah we still watch this now you know i enjoy taking those things that we love from movies and passing them on to our kids just like halloween you know um with us dressing up like the cast of teen wolf it was something that we could all do and pass down. And, of course, we had to have them watch Teen Wolf because they've never seen it. So, oh, so then right. they each got their own character. So it, it was, it's fun to do. And that's, that's one of the things that this movie does for our family. You just, it's something that you cherish and you pass down. It never gets old. It always gets better. And you can't duplicate that. You can't make a, a sequel or a remake or anything like that because you just can't. You're absolutely right, and I think that's what's interesting here in the dynamic of what happened with Monster Squad that was, you know, unintended when Fred and Shane were actually making it or writing it. Uh, you just don't know what's going to happen or what's going to hit or what's going to stick or what's going to become a piece of iconography, whether it's a piece of dialogue or a piece of wardrobe. Uh, like, we have, you know, multiple <laughs> examples in Monster Squad. But I think it was interesting that whether they were intending to do it or not, uh, the, the blend of the classic themes and archetypes in the story blended with the, the, the modern times or the current times of the mid and late 80s connected with everybody in such a way that it transcended that summer and it just, it, it's timeless. And those archetypes and those themes and those, you know, what used to be the fables and the adventure stories and all that, those resonate no matter how old you are, what era you're from. Mm -hmm. And you can find a foothold in getting interested in them and it just sticks. And I don't think it was intentional. I think it's a, an, an awesome thing to end up happening for, you know, writers and creators like Fred and Shane. Um, obviously they would have liked the movie to be a success when it was supposed to be, but it's a much more interesting dynamic. Um, that it has this legacy that just endures. And I, I've talked to, you know, a ton of people in the last couple of weeks, but just this week alone, three different times, some different people have said the same thing. And they said, I bet you in 20 years, you will be still watching the Monster Squad. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Because it still counts and connects. And you won't be watching the big movies of last year. I totally, and I yep. thought that was pretty, pretty, and then one of them even, it, you know, mentioned like, it, you know, Avengers Endgame, and I was like, wow, that's some pretty serious 
you know, competition there. <laughs> but, um, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't think they were wrong, you know, in some regard. And I, I think, you know, those tales just endure. And movies like Monster Squad with those amazing themes and archetypes, you know, have become our modern day kind of, you know, Aesop's fables or our Greek, you know, our Greek stories and, you know, our, our, our new mythologies. And they stay with you and they mean something. And I think that's very, very interesting. Um, also on the Monster Squad, um, you were really going to go out for the role of Rudy. Is that correct? Uh, I did, you know, I, I did. I actually only auditioned for the role of Rudy, and uh, I never read one piece of dialogue in in, in a in a read through or an audition for Sean. Uh, and, and there's a there's a very obvious reason, you know, leading up to that time, my kind of uh, you know body of work in the last couple of years was always you know kind of the cool kid, and you know, I had great hair, and I <laughs> trust me, I had great hair, and um, you know, um, it, it's it's not great now. <laughs> but, uh, you know, a lot of hair product and, and, and dress school. And, you know, so that was an obvious kind of, you know, just, uh, you know, fold into a casting session of, hey, there's a school kid, leather jacket, good hair. He's the cool kid with the sunglasses. And he comes in. And so they go, oh, yeah, you know, obviously you're going to read for that role. And I'm through the entire audition process, you know, callbacks and, and screen tests and producers meetings and all that. And, um, you know, got a phone call you know, a number of weeks later saying that, hey, that movie you read for, um, you know, you, you got cast, they cast you in that film. And the first question is always, well, which film are you talking about? Because back in the day, you're always auditioning for probably at least one to three a day. Yeah. You know, back, in that, back in that day. And uh, whether, or a TV show or a guest spot or something. And they said, no, that, that, that monster movie. Now, the, the thing is, they didn't cast you uh, in the role that you read for. And that's always bad news. That's always usually bad news because they saw something and they liked you, but they gave you, usually get a lesser role. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, oh, man. And they go, no, 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 it's good news. They actually just cast you straight as the lead. Nice. And I was like, no, that's bad news. Rudy's a much cooler character. <laughs> yeah, but honestly, but, if but, you if you really think about it, when you hear the name Rudy, in my head, who else is gonna actually say the line like you do when you hear um come on Rudy this is serious <laughs> so, so if I hear that I yep I couldn't picture anybody else saying it as perfect as you did there <laughs> well I appreciate that um in in two different ways uh, one is that I always say I know could I have played Rudy uh, absolutely would have been it would have been okay, uh, but I know I know Ryan Lambert walked into that last auditions and absolutely murdered it. And uh, he is Rudy, and uh, I'm glad I'm not Rudy because he is Rudy, and he's the only one that could be Rudy. Yeah, especially and rolling up on that bike. Fantastic in that role, yeah. and I was fortunate enough to you know they. Luckily, like I said, you know, when they when when you audition for something and you don't get chosen for that particular role that you read for, you're usually out of the equation. But mm-hmm. for some reason, Fred or Shane or uh, you know somebody had you know sort of a different vision and mm-hmm. said, "Hey, you know what? He's got a uh, he's got something, maybe an energy. Let's let's wash the gunk out of his hair and chop it all off into a really bad haircut and give him some you know ill-fitting dorky clothes." And maybe he's Sean. 
And lo and behold, you know, I think it all worked out, and I think everybody's exactly where they are supposed to be. Um, and so, yes, uh, you know, like I said, I appreciate you know you making that you know uh, you know statement that uh, who would have said Sean's lines like me? Um, <laughs> and I also appreciate the fact that you didn't just say the line, but you also cranked it up a couple. Octaves. Oh, you're so, welcome. You know, that was, that was fantastic. I I'm all in. I'm all in. <laughs> Hey, that's good. I mean, she pumped that up. I bet she was practicing this now, all week. <laughs> actually, that's one of the things that made me fall in love with my husband is, you know, sitting at work across from him, meeting him, and we started saying movie quotes, and we're the only ones laughing. So we were like, okay, we're meant to be. And we constantly still do that. We hear the kids say a line or a word, and we, we straight up go straight to a movie quote. So that's, I yeah. <laughs> Well, see, you know, Nicole, you just hit on something right there, which is really something we're aiming for with the documentary is that's the power of film and that's the power of stories on camera. Um, you know, th that's what they become. And you can connect because of movies or because of articles of clothing in a movie or, you know, snippets of dialogue like you, you know, you and your husband should pull across you know, the, the cubicle space there, or whatever it was. <laughs> and, you know, instantly, you know, you find someone that you can jive with and yeah. someone that you can, uh, you know, connect with because of things like film. And that's also something that, you know, was a main focus of the documentary. It's not just about Monster Squad, but it's about the power of film mm -hmm. and the power of connecting and meeting other people of like mind and, and then becoming your squad or your, your group or your, your tribe. And, you know, and that's how that's how you tackle the world. Absolutely. So, um, Andre, you do a lot of, you know, conventions. And when you started, uh, you know, doing a lot of conventions and meeting a lot of fans of of all the conventions you've been to, what was the most memorable moment of yours at a certain convention that still sticks with you today? Oh, man, there's been so many awesome ones. Um I'll, you know, just for the sake of brevity, I will pick two. Uh, one was interesting, you know, because we, unbeknownst to us, you know, we were going to get a, a 20th anniversary DVD special edition type release, you know, first time Monster Squad was on DVD. And Lionsgate put that out, and they actually, we had a an entire day with our own booth in the middle of the convention floor at San Diego Comic-Con in 07. And we're like, wow, we're signing it. Comic, like, this is cool. I hope somebody, I hope people come by. <laughs> and this, again, is an early in the resurgence process. So we're not really sure that there's that many Monster Squad fans out there. <laughs> and there's a couple photos of, you know, probably 500 people wrapped around our booth, you know, on this convention floor. And, and they're all just coming to get, you know, the, the DVD signed by myself, Ryan, Ashley Bank. And Fred Decker, and that was um, that was a moving kind of experience to be in something of that big mm -hmm. uh, at that time. So many years later, and then you know probably uh, you know something that I'm going to say was important for a number of reasons uh, is because it's one of my favorite bits in the documentary. We were at um, actually no, it was it, it's I, I lied. It's 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 three different things but two of them are connected Ryan Lambert and I were I think at Wizard World in Chicago and uh, this guy and his son came up and met us at our booth and uh, he was like no hey guys you know we, we drove in 
we drove here to, to meet just you and Ryan. Because we were like, oh, did you see everybody? Yeah, there's some awesome people at this convention. And like, well, yeah, that's great, but we actually drove to see you and Ryan to meet you guys. I'm like, oh, that's amazing. You know, like, where are you guys from? And this was in Chicago, so we thought they may have been from, like, Oak Park or something. <laughs> <laughs> and um, they said, uh, we, we live near Reno. Wait, in Nevada? <laughs> and it blew my mind, and this was um, Matt Capengott. And then, uh, you know, the next year, his entire family drove from Nevada to Cincinnati because we had a Monster Squad reunion. It was all of the cast, and all of the monsters were there, which was awesome. Duncan and Tom and Michael McKay. Mm-hmm. And the whole family showed up. Uh, in costume as the Monster Squad. That's awesome. And that was that was so compelling and so touching. I mean, we had seen it before, but not with this whole family. <laughs> and their littlest daughter, who was, you know, like the size of like a shoe at this time, you know, walks in in sunglasses, her hair slipped up, and a black leather jacket carrying a bow. And I was like, oh my gosh, this <laughs> is absolutely phenomenal. And they just ended up being the nicest family. Um, you know, Matt and I stayed in touch you know, for a while, and I wanted to figure out something special of how I get the Tappan Gods in the documentary. Mm-hmm. And I was working, I was working on something that I didn't know if it was going to happen or not. And I wanted to see if we could get myself and Henry and Wes and, and our and our production crew on the back lot of Warner Brothers um, to actually shoot something in, in Town Square. And you know, you usually can't do that. But I had had a connection through their PR department and through another friend of mine and, and, and we worked something out and it, the timing just ended up being perfect because the Tapagots were driving to Disneyland oh. Oh. On, a, on a weekend and that Friday when they'd be driving through LA I said Matt I'm going to ask you, if, you know, to delay your trip by about a couple hours if you mind meeting me somewhere on your way down to Disneyland because you know, it's, it's in between and I said, if you'll follow me and the other people, I've got something special for you. And I drove them on the Warner Brothers lot. We whipped out the cameras. And we got to shoot the Tappan Gods on Town Square while they're all dressed up like the Monster Squad. Oh, that's awesome. That is that's awesome. And, you know, when you see that bit in the dock, it's very short. Um, but it, it it's one of my favorite bits. And it just worked out perfect. And they were the they were the the perfect people to be able to utilize that small window of availability and uh you know that's just another example of a lot of the stuff that happened during the year that we shot this doc we shot and made this documentary in under a year and which is crazy and it's so jam-packed with so much stuff and we went so many places in that year uh that it's just another example of all of these things that the timing and situations worked out like it was meant to be exactly where they go, just like the casting at Monsters One. Yep. Yeah, and that's something that you just touched them, and they're going to remember for the rest of their lives. And they were already big fans, but you just revved it up a notch and just did uh, yeah, something and, to move them. You know, and, and uh, if, if that brings them some sort of like long term, you know, joyful memory, then that's just gravy, right? right. I mean, the kids just sent me. They just mailed me a, uh, a monster-themed Halloween COVID mask oh. <laughs> that they made at home, like they sewed at home. And I'm like, see, this is this is what it's all about. Yeah. That that that's too cool. I mean, you have like a huge, you know, uh, cult following like that too. Mm-hmm. And um, also, um, 
um, I um, was listening to you on an interview and um, you had a interaction with uh, Ryan Gosling and you were like surprised that he was a fan of the Monster Squad too. <laughs> well, I knew he was a fan of Monster Squad because I've seen him talk about it and I've had that friend or two, you know, that are actually needed that have interviewed him and talked about it and had him on camera, you know, celebrating it. And, um, you know, I always like to, I always like to, uh, you know, think that's the reason he did the nice guys because, you know, Shane wrote Monster Squad. And um, I think uh, he's fantastic in the nice. He's, he's pretty damn good at everything he does. You know, he's, oh, probably, yeah. he's probably one of our top people. He's probably <laughs> one of our top people on screen right now. Um, and hopefully will be for a very long time. But um, I never, I never met him. And, you know, I, you know, I, 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 I try to, pretend that I'm kindred spirits with Ryan Gosling. Um, <laughs> you know, because he came up, you know, he came up sort of, you know, he started working when he was young and, you know, singing and dancing in Florida and performing and going around and being on TV and, and commercials. And so that's something to connect with as well because not everybody gets, you know, to do that. And not everybody experienced. But I never, I never met the guy and I've always been a fan. And one time, uh, Ryan Lambert and I were, meeting at our one of our favorite kind of coffee shops in, in LA and he was like dude are you on your way like uh, Ryan Gosling sitting in a corner and I was like uh, yeah I'm on my way <laughs> <laughs> I was like um, I, I was like how, you know how am I I just ended up just walking right up to him and interrupting like whatever they were eating and uh-huh. uh, he was there with a friend and I don't even remember I don't, the friend was like dude we're eating like what's your problem <laughs> I'm sure he was all pissed off that some some schmo just came up and interrupted him and Ryan Gosling and hell you know it was probably someone I don't even know who it was it might have been someone like I don't know Jeremy Renner or something I don't know I don't remember <laughs> I was just, you know, trying to be Ryan Gosling and um, you know I was like I don't know I just want to say hello and uh, you know I started off with we have a mutual friend in Shane Black and he was like oh yeah that's cool and uh, Shane's a good guy and you know a lot of times that when people are Monster Squad fans and they're not they don't recognize you right off the bat. It takes a little bit for it to, to, to happen. And I just kind of stood there. So it was kind of awkward for a minute. Or two. <laughs> I'm sure his friend, his friend's like, dude, my fries are getting cold. Can you leave? And um, Ryan Gosling's just kind of staring at me and I'm staring at him. And I'm like, oh, it's not going to click. Darn it. So I was like, oh, and by the way, I, I've, I've read that you're a fan of the Monster Squad. And then he kind of like lights up and's like, yeah, man, Bullpen's got NARS. You know, it's awesome. Uh, one of my favorite movies. And it still wasn't happening, and so I just had to lean in, and I, I finally extended my hand. I said, uh, "I just, you know, want to say hello and finally meet you." My name's Andre Gower. I was actually Sean in the Monster Squad, and then he was like, "Oh man, no way!" So you know, then it connected, and we hung out for about thirty seconds, and then I left and left them back to their cold food. Aww. And, uh, <laughs> you know, so that was a, that was an awesome Gosling interaction, and um, you know, it, it's a fun story to tell, and uh, I'm just glad he's a fan because I'm a fan of his. That's funny. I bet after you left, he's probably, he's probably sitting there going, "What was that all about?" <laughs> probably, probably. Um, but yeah, you know, we tried to get him. You know, I would love to have him in the doc, but that whole next year, I think he was making like thirty-five movies or something, and um, there's just no time you know, to, to, to get old. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so what's your thoughts on how um, everybody thinks of the Monster Squad, um, a cult, you have a huge cult fallen, it's like a cult hit. What do you think about that? 
Well, you know, that's, uh, that's kind of really the question. It's, uh, and we, we actually dive into that deep in Wolfman's Got Nards, and it's an interesting reaction because I think, personally, I think cult means something different to different people. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're going to get... Um, you're going to get a bunch of different answers when someone says, what is cult? What is a cult classic? Is this movie X a cult classic or is it not? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so and so we, you know, we investigated that a little bit and, and never really came up with an answer uh, <laughs> because it's so, you know, it's so different. But what it is, I think, I think it's important to leave it up to the individual to decide right. instead of being, you know, pushed into a box. But I do like to say that because a lot of people said absolutely Monster Squad is the definition like you know Merriam-Webster would define mm-hmm. cult classic and there would be a, the Monster Squad poster absolutely and then other people are like it's not a cult classic because it's always just been great and now it's older so it's a classic and I'm like well can you have both or do, are they uh, mutually exclusive or can they weave in them together and so you know, and cult was, you know, cult is always something that was sort of fringe or fringy or, you know, kind of out of the norm and, you know, non-mainstream. And yeah, Monster Club was non-mainstream because no one saw it. Um, but if it had been different, it would have been very mainstream. If, if more people had gone and got a bigger city to run, it would have been very mainstream. So it wouldn't, it wouldn't have been cult. It's just the, the, the dynamic of the evolution and the history of it that throws it into a category that you can call cult because only a few people liked it and then it grew but it wasn't a few people it was a legion of people so I say um, I don't think Monster Squad was cult but I think it's now a cult classic well it's definitely you know (laughs) yeah and (laughs) I mean it's standing the test of time as we speak so it's it still keeps growing strong and I think it only gets better and better yeah, and so maybe that cult, which a lot of people used to be sort of a negative, you know, kind of uh, connotation a little bit, and then got cool, and then got kind of stepped on and used for your own, you know, own, uh, you know, makings. Um, you know, maybe that kind of peels off a little bit, and you're just in, like you said, it, it lasts, it endures. There's things in there that aren't going to go away and never fade, mm-hmm. uh, and maybe it's just classic now. I totally agree with you, and, and let's hope they do not do a remake of reboot of Monster Squad at all. <laughs> well, you know they were for a while. Uh, that really? Was and yeah, that was happening uh, shortly after the resurgence kind of picked up steam. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, individuals that uh, you know, uh, I, I believe Rob Cohen, you know, who's a giant studio producer, yeah. director, was also a young was a young producer on Monster Squad. Mm-hmm. and saw how the DVD 20th anniversary came out and said, we need to redo this movie. And I think he teamed up with uh, Michael Bay's company and started developing you know, a story of how to reboot Monster Squad. And that took a number of years to kind of figure it out or get close. And that was right, I believe, at the same time that Universal announced the new Dark Universe. And so they ended up sort of like announcing that there's no, if Universal is doing this, then there's no reason for us to remake the Monster Squad. And I think everybody kind of, like the internet just kind of like celebrated it, um, you know, in some way, shape, or form. Uh, because the Dark Universe saved a remake of, you know, everybody's, you know, all these people's favorite movie. 
Uh, not to say that it would be bad. I just, you know, people don't like their favorite thing touched in, in, in a weird way, right? Yeah. And, um, but then, lo and behold, the Dark Universe died. So they, they, they both did that, really. So, um, except for now, Universal uh, got, got smart and, um, you know, it, it, it kind of put that Dark Universe over into that Blumhouse camp. And now they're giving these stories to great storytellers and giving them a limited budget and a box to work inside of, which you always get better movies when you do it that way. Yeah, I, t- I totally agree. Um, I've noticed that Blumhouse has been like on fire yeah. with all kinds of horror films like that too. So oh, yeah, I'm a fan. Yeah, so I don't think. Well, Blum- they do. I mean, they have they have the mod- they have the production model, which is very quote unquote Blumhousey. Uh, but with this, you know, kind of these new stories, you give it to someone like Lee Wanell, who knocks it out of the park with a simple story of the Invisible Man, and that mm-hmm. was kind of their first out of the gate. And I believe. Uh, Well, uh, Gosling's doing Wolfman. Yeah, he's uh, doing. Yeah. And uh, I think they're doing Bride. Yeah, they're doing the Bride of Frankenstein. Yeah, that's definitely yeah, coming so, out too. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Footprints. They're not all low budget, but they're smaller footprints, and they're going to be good stories. And I think the focus is going to be on the story and the acting instead of the action and the atmosphere. That's what so we I need more of, anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, now, when you're talking about you know, other type of things to enjoy with Monster Squad stories. Uh-huh. Uh, there's a ton to do there. I think there's stories prior to our story. I think there's stories after our story. Um, I think there's other ways to do it. And I know Fred and Shane have always been, you know, loving ideas of something like that, but it's always been a rights issue. And, uh, it, you know, it, you know, maybe maybe this year or next year that finally gets worked out and, and awesome people get to, you know, continue with the fun story that people love so much. I think so too. I would. I, I agree with you on that. I would like to mm-hmm. see like a continuing story afterwards, or mm-hmm. or something maybe like a uh, you know prequel before you know before the original Monster Squad. That'd be kind of neat to, like you said, do like a whole universe or a you know historical how it all came to be. That would be pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, I mean, I mean, a great story after the fact or current day, obviously with some of the originals, but it's got to be a passing of the torch type story with a great you know kind of, you know, conflict and adventure would be neat. Uh, but my favorite thing has always been, uh, we have a hundred years before our story, which is 87. Yeah. We have a okay. hundred years of, of Dracula walking around, waiting for, you know, uh, the forces to be balanced <laughs> on that hundred year mark. So he's been walking around because he, he didn't get killed in, 80, in 1887. So he's been waiting a hundred years for this day to happen and then, you know, a group of meddling kids get in his way and foil his plans and that's our adventure. But, like, what was he doing in the in the 50s? What was mm-hmm. he doing in, you know, the roaring 20s? You know, I'd like to see, you know, oh, I'd love to see Duncan Regeer and, like, a, uh, like, just see him in The Great Gatsby. <laughs> <laughs> the Great Gatsby, uh-huh. then. <laughs> yeah, but that- it's actually Dracula hanging out on, you know, West Egg and, um, you know, I, I just, I, I always get these really cool, crazy stories and, you know, obviously when you're us as the cast, you get, you know, Monster Squad questions. Like, where did Dracula get dynamite? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, if you're a smartass, you always say, from the prop guy. Uh. <laughs> um, you know, you're, you, you shouldn't be a smartass. And you're like, you know what? I don't know, but I like to think that he was, 
milling around, uh, you know, in the 20s, uh, you know, during the, uh, you know, when the Panama Canal was getting built and he stole a sack of dynamite. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but, you know, he just goes and takes it, you know, whenever he needs it and stores it. And, um, you know, so what does that mean? Like, if you see Dracula, like, hang out. <laughs> I mean, we see his castle in the opening, but, like, where where was he living in 87? I want to see that place. Yeah. Or 57. You know, like, I want to see, like, you know, Dracula's lair in different decades would be so rad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be so rad if it was, like, back in the 20s and he was living in Al Capone's house and Al Capone was just his puppet. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, he, he obviously has, you know, power over minions and monsters and things like that. He, yeah. he could basically, you know, reverse force Gump. You know, and just have Dracula be involved in all these world events during all these, you know, different times with crazy people or, or bad people or, you know, you know, he's just he's just mad because he's waiting. He's like, look, I'm not going to die. And I'm very bored. Uh, and I've got 63 and a half years until, you know, I can I can make this, you know, shit happen again. So yep. let's just party. Let's just chill. Know. Yep. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> So, um, Andre, where can everybody follow you on social media and also uh, check out uh, Wolfman Got Nards? Yeah, well, uh, you can certainly follow me on Twitter, uh, which is at Andre Gower, and on Instagram, which is uh, at Andre Gower Official. Um, and, and please follow you know, uh, me there. You'll get news on the documentary and all the other crazy stuff I do, like things I find in the garage. Um, but, uh, you know, if you're interested in Wolfman's Got Nards and want to follow the Squad Doc, uh, those social handles on both are at the Squad Doc, all, you know, kind of one word. And you can go to squaddoc.com and, you know, catch, uh, you know, what DOD platforms is playing on, links you can order the Blu-ray, uh, you know, read the Twitter feeds and the Instagram feeds and read some of the reviews that have been out there and just kind of follow along. But definitely hit us up on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, and you know, let us know. You know, love hearing. You know, the, the, it just released wide on VOD uh, on the twenty seventh, and so we're just sort of in this first initial wave of everybody getting their Blu rays and ordering their you know downloads on iTunes and on Dish Network and things like that. And, you know, just getting a pouring in of you know everybody's responses. So you know, don't let that uh, you know think you can't hit us up and let you know what you think. You know, good, bad, or indifferent. Um, you can also tell us your stories, you know, what Monster Squad means to you and, uh, you know, myself or, you know, one of us, you know, we, we always try to respond to everybody as best we can. That sounds great. That's awesome. But Andre, we're going to do our shameless plugging a little bit here with you. And <laughs> yeah. um, so whenever we have a guest on, uh, we actually have a really awesome case that we ask that hopefully um, you can contribute to so we can put it in there so everybody that comes can see what our what who our guests were and all that whether it's just a you know an autographed picture of yourself uh, to commemorate our guests that come on so hopefully we can okay. get you to um, throw something add something in there for us and then let everybody else be jealous of what we got <laughs> and that they don't <laughs> you know, I've, I've, I've probably got something that could contribute to the case. That would be, um, you know, I'll figure out what it is. I have an idea of what it is, but uh, it'll be better than an autographed picture of my mug. That's right. <laughs> hey, that's, that'd be even better. Yeah, surprise us, Andre. Just surprise us. It's, this has been great. I'm, I'm so excited 
to have you on tonight. And, and I know my husband's going to be listening back because he's mad that he had to work tonight. So he couldn't sit there and listen in. But I'll tell you what, oh, and thank you very much for giving, giving us something that I can pass down to my children and cosplay with them on and, and just enjoy. So thank you. Well, I, I appreciate you guys having me on and, um, you know, we, you know, please feel free to reach out. I love talking to cool people and, um, uh, you know, if, if, if you've got some guests scheduled and they flake on you, you know, let me know. I'll fill in, you know, anytime you want to talk about something and, we can talk about stuff other than Monster Squad or Wolfman's Got Nards at any time, and we can quote movie lines and you know bring your husband in and all that. Speaking of movie lines, <laughs> since you were you know movie, what's uh, give me your Nicole, give me your favorite Monster Squad line, uh, and then Robin yours. Oh man, it's it's gotta be. I mean, I mean, I did it just perfect. Or it's yeah, it's always every time you Rudy. It's got to be that. What about you, Robin? Mine's the one where a horse uh, kicks a wolfman and goes, Wolfman's got nards. <laughs> there you go. Two, two, two iconic lines and one very prepubescent screechy one. There you go. You know, <laughs> but you do do it pretty good. because I try. Uh, I, do, I do say Rudy in sort of a, 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 an interesting, it kind of draws out the ooh part sometimes. Uh-huh. <laughs> Well, that was awesome. I had a great time, guys. Thanks for having me on, and uh, please feel free. Stay in touch, and, um, you know, let me know when this, uh, if, you know, I can signal boost or retweet or make sure you tag me in the squad doc, and uh, we'll, we'll try to send people your way. Yeah, okay. and then uh, we'll, uh, and then I'll reach out to you, and um, I'll send you uh, uh, or uh, Nicole's address, and then you can send us that little surprise. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, because where, where are you guys? Are you in the same? Area yeah, we're in the same area. Um, I'm, I'm originally from California, but um, I live out here in the Midwest. West. We live out here uh, in the Cincinnati area. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, uh, obviously, north of Cincinnati. Or do you live in Kentucky? Uh, no, I live in north of yep. Cincinnati. Um, I live like 10 minutes away from Kings Island. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, well, that's where... Uh, that's where Horrorhound. Uh, yep. Is, is just, yes, it is. Yeah. Um, that's where I met you. I met you at Horrorhound, uh, Cincinnati one year, um, which was pretty fun. Um, it wasn't the whole cast. It was uh, you, you and Lambert and the actor who played your father. And yeah, Stephen Mock. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, yeah, that's awesome. Glad, I'm glad we met. Um, it, it's always good to, to know that uh, people reconnect. So I appreciate it, and uh, I always like to find out where people are. So. Uh, uh, great part of the country, and that was. That was a fun time, so I'm glad we got to reconnect. I'm I'm definitely glad to reconnect and get to talk to you once more too. It yeah. it was great uh, meeting you and uh, you know uh, Lambert, and um, we had a great conversation. And um, I was giving Lambert a hard time about when he was with uh, Kids Incorporated. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know the only the only reason we give Lambert a hard time about Kids Incorporated is because we were all jealous we weren't on that show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know, right? Definitely. That was definitely a taste of uh, TV iconography of the '80s on Saturday morning. It was fantastic. You know it. It was it was my jam. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I'm glad we grew up in the '80s. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. And like a. Um, well, it- <laughs> you're cracking me up. <laughs> Give him a hard time. Yeah, I did that, and he gave me that weird look. He's like, 
okay, you came up here, you know, they want to meet and you wanted to say something about new kids. And I remember you just sitting there and you just had that weird look. <laughs> yeah, some, sometimes he'll get that, but, uh, you know, he embraces it as best he can. Uh, you know, it's, um, you know, you, you got to give him a little, you got to you gotta bring him back down every once in a while. But, uh, he's a good guy and a talented musician and Kids Incorporated was, was sure fun. <laughs> and and one more one more thing before we get off with you too, you knew you loved being in those Tiger Beat magazines back in the oh, day. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's one of those things that um, you know you, you can certainly look back and, and and clown yourself or clown other people, but that was uh, that's sort of where that was the only thing that was there like this is obviously pre-internet and um, you know I don't you know if you, you know you grow up and you and you go to the newsstand or you have a subscription and that was kind of your pop culture yeah uh, you know kind of connection to the you know to the younger stars and the yep. younger celebrities and the and the musicians and the, you know the teen idols of the day and that was nothing new even in the 80s I mean that goes all the way back to the you know to the 50s yeah and you know it, it was interesting to be you know, really sort of maybe in the penultimate type of era of the teen magazine because I think there was probably one more class or I don't think it's a whole generation. Yeah. One more class or two. Uh, and then we had the internet. And, you know, it, it was interesting to be a part of um, something that I think was, you know, very, uh, you know, very Americana, very pop culture mm-hmm. uh, that influenced, you know, things around the world because those magazines were copied as, you know, all over the place. And they weren't really tabloidy, they were just fun. And uh, it was about connecting with, you know, uh, you know, fans, and you had your fan club, and you got to respond to letters and have contests and giveaways, and, mm-hmm. you know, win a date with Andre, or win a date with Ryan Lambert, <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> you know, hey, you know, sitting at home with Andre, let's count how many shoes he has. <laughs> and, you know, it was always fun like that, but really what that was back in the day on top of just being that connection that fans can have with you, mm. uh, that was really the, the market of the day. Oh, it was. It was like, and, a, yeah. You know, yeah, because, you know, you were, that, if you were a younger, you know, younger and, and an entertainer or a performer, uh, whether a musician or, you know, actor or whatever, um, that was your marketing opportunity. That was your social media. Uh, and actually, those magazines were more interactive than people realized because mm-hmm. there was write-in contests mm-hmm. and you know send, submit your own photo and quizzes and and things that you could mail in. And now you just you know submit yeah. um, you know a button now. But uh, it, it was it was very interesting, and I, I think you know in how marketing and advertising goes. But that was your exposure to the you know to your fan base and to be in the magazine. So it was important. It was an important part of it. Oh, I totally agree with you. Um, I've never read those magazines, but I read like you know, like the Fangoria magazines and the the metal magazines and the Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Of course, yes, I had, to, yeah. I had to keep up on my professional wrestlers, man. <laughs> yeah, ab- 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 you know, absolutely. And um, you know, I you know, I I, I dug you know uh, WWE back in the day, but you know, since we brought up the kind of team magazine type of thing, you know, one of the cool things that sort of you know, going along with uh, Wolfman's Got Nards, the movie, uh-huh. uh, uh, Grace Chan, who was a friend of ours, uh, and Ciro Nielli, who's a fabulous artist and animator, um, they put out, you know, she has volume two of her little mini theme called I Heart Rudy. Nice. 
And <laughs> Volume 2 uh, just came out, you know, last week, and we're kind of cross-promoing that. Um, and so if you, if you like Teen Magazine, you need at least to go on Instagram to iHeartRudy and check out uh, what Grace is putting out right now because there's a lot of Monster Squad stuff in there. Um, I actually gave her a big uh, treasure chest of cool collectible stuff and production and wardrobe stuff that she got to feature in there. Oh, and cool. so she basically awesome. made it, you know, volume two of her own little team magazine. That's too cool. <laughs> and Andre, thank you so much. Yes, it was absolutely. so much fun talking with you. <laughs> Oh, no, I appreciate it. Uh, looking forward to the next time. Oh, exactly. We're, we're definitely going to have you on the podcast next time. I can promise you that because I have a feeling we'll have a fun time and we'll make sure uh, Nicole's husband is part of this too. So. <laughs> yes. Yes, we can't forget him. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, hit me up and uh, hit me up, stay in touch, and uh, uh, we'll, uh, we'll hang out again soon. All right. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, guys. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Yeah, have a good night. You too. Well, guys, you heard it right there. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And remember, kitties, we are the weirdos, mister. <laughs> and yes, we are. And you can follow um, Horror Pop After Midnight on Facebook, Twitter at Pop After. You can follow us on our um, podcast platforms at iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Podcast City Network at podcastcity.net, anywhere you can listen to a podcast. Everybody have a great evening.